Greetings, everybody. This is Christopher Messina coming at you from the Messy Time Studios uh, here in the bright sunshine coast of Florida. It is the 3rd of August, 2022, and I am joined, as luck would have it, just down the coast by Kurt Walker Jr., uh, who is who has deep knowledge in the crypto space and Bitcoin in particular. And we got acquainted recently and started chatting. Uh, and given the fact that he knows far more about this than I do, I am delighted to have him here. Kurt, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, happy to be here, man. Thanks for thanks for having me out. So we were just chatting briefly earlier in what passes for the green room in in podcasting world. Uh, you know, both you know nor northerners by birth and have grown tired of hacking ice off of cars in the middle of January to get them moving, and <laughs> have come down to the last free state in America, Florida. So. Living Amen. here under the under the uh, delightful reign of of August uh, King DeSantis, we won't get to that. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we we're just touching briefly. You know, so many folks I come out of a, a you know, traditional Wall Street and commodities background uh, in mining, hard rock mining, where we dig stuff out of the ground. Um, and more and more people, of course, it's hard not to hear about you know Bitcoin and mining and the rest of it. Maybe if you could. Give us as brief a background as you can, and your in, 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 of how you got involved and when, and kind of sure. what you've seen. That'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my my Bitcoin journey starts in 2012. Uh, I had a printing company that I owned outside of Chicago, and I had a guy came to me and and asked for me to print him a couple of posters, a little job, probably a hundred dollar job, and offered to pay me in Bitcoin. And I didn't know what the hell Bitcoin was, so I asked him, and, and he said, oh, Kurt, you know, it's kind of like video game money that you can use to buy other stuff in in, in games. And I was like, I'm not much of a gamer, but, hmm. the, you know, whatever. Like, he was a nice guy, and it was a curiosity to me. And, and since it was a relatively small job, I said, yeah, that's fine. Let's do it. Hmm. And, and I kind of shelved it. You know, I, I, I synced up a wallet and took some Bitcoin. And then uh, probably six months later, I, I decided to go down the rabbit hole after um, a couple of people continue to bring it up all of a sudden the bull market started and, and i think the next person to probably mention it was my brother mm. uh my brother uh had just taken a uh like a side gig with a guy who wanted to pay him in bitcoin and um so that was it i'm like okay i gotta figure this thing out now now i've heard about it twice and you know that's so that's a thing and uh i just went full bore down the rabbit hole by the end of 2013 i i i had built up a, a small and mostly unsuccessful mining operation. Um, <laughs> uh, we were working on various, you know, wallet technology and some other stuff. And I started going to meetups and, and Chicago had a robust uh, Bitcoin meetup culture. And so, uh, you know, I, I used to pop in, not a ton, but, but I would go and um, yeah, just, just really, really fell in love with the culture, fell in love with the idea, really like dug into the, the nuts and bolts, why Bitcoin, how Bitcoin when Bitcoin, uh, you know, something, when Bitcoin, something if Bitcoin, <laughs> right. and, it, and I just fell in love with it. I just, I just thought it was so cool. Um, you know, this notion of being able to like, you know, tokenize assets and, and make simple payments and monetize, monetize whatever other economic activity you were doing in, in really simple ways. And for me, that was always the, the major curiosity is I, I, I was a hard assets guy. I, I was a precious metals guy. I loved commodities. Um, I wanted to see money be re-standardized uh, with, with a gold standard or a silver standard or something like that. So I had my own money theories that I brought to the table. And this and, theory um, is interesting. Was that a predominantly shared view in the group that you knew in Chicago then? Or was that one of, at, of many different ideas of why people were so interested in this? At the time, yes. I, I think at the time, nearly everybody was coming at it from a very libertarian standpoint. Um, you know, the big influences at the time were guys like uh, Roger Ver and Andreas Antonopoulos. And um, and they were consistently like it was it was about freedom. It was it was money, money that couldn't be debased and therefore allows us to be you know, I'll, I'll, to live out these theories that, that, you know, came out of like the, the Mises Institute and things like that. And right. so um, that, that was just, was just the culture until uh, all of a sudden things shifted though. In 20, like 14 and 15, the culture got very, um, it was after the Mount Gox collapse. And then the culture turned into the like, well, it doesn't matter that the price collapsed. You should just be accumulating it. It became this weird scarcity cult very quickly. Uh, which we still see today, the, you know, hodl by the dip, like these, these simple axioms about why you should invest in Bitcoin rather than 
here are these things we can disrupt economically with Bitcoin as a, as like a business tool. And so, um, <laughs> you know, that was all well and good. I'm, I'm happy to disagree with people and, and I was happy to debate and uh, got myself just, you know, tangled up as a, as a big blocker and saying, hey, I, I think Bitcoin XT, which was the big block implementation of the time, I think it's a good thing. I, I agree with Mike Hearn and Gavin Andreessen, who were two of the most influential Bitcoin core developers at the time. And, and then I got married in 2015 and I took a little bit of a break. <laughs> Mazel tov to that. Very quickly for those of my listeners who will have heard some of this, but will the phrase big blocker will go boom, right over yeah. their heads. What does that yeah. mean? So I believe that the, the reconciliation period in Bitcoin, which is every 10 minutes, every 10 minutes a block is written. I believe that that block size should be decided by economic demand. And this is a very unpopular opinion. The, the, wow. the consensus opinion about Bitcoin is that protocol developers and the, the Bitcoin community should set an arbitrary protocol limit that does not allow more than one megabyte per block, hmm. which for me, I, I treat that as that's economic planning. This is very um, you know, kind of Soviet Politburo kind of stuff. And uh, so today's Washington DC, basically they were ahead of the game. Yeah, right. right. It's, it's, it's financial <laughs> engineering. It's, it's like, it's explain, like the Fed. Explain why that is. That's, that's very curious. That's, that seems like a very deep sort of acupuncture point. <laughs> why, why is that the limitation of the block size every 10 minutes an mm -hmm. arbitrary limit versus just letting the market decide how large it is. Why is that an economic or a monetary phenomenon rather than a coding phenomenon? So from a code standpoint, Bitcoin can do anything. Like there's, there's nothing that says there is, is anything, uh, you know, the 21 million Bitcoin hard limit and, you know, all these things, these axioms about Bitcoin that everyone talks about are absolute. Like Bitcoin can never be double spent. Bitcoin can never be, you know, X, Y, and Z. There's all these axioms. They're all false. Bitcoin can absolutely do all kinds of things that the that the advocates say that it can't. And the mm. only thing that stops it is the incentive. It's the balanced incentives of the network itself. So it's it's the investors and okay, how much how much of my own capital am I willing to risk for this fight versus uh, the miners, for example, that in, in many cases have billions of dollars in hardware invested in the infrastructure of the network, mm -hmm. saying like, yeah, we're going to take a risk and, and make this contentious change, like that kind of thing. And so, you know, it's just like it's just like anything else. Like you can take an American political position and say, like, can can you ban guns in the United States? Like, well, you can you can you could probably pass that law. But then what are the spillover effects of enforcement and, and everything else? Right. right. So. You can write any law you want. It was kind of like Woody Allen and Bananas when they finally <laughs> took over the country. From now yeah. on, everyone under 13 will be 13. <laughs> Correct. So, right. And So you can deny and, reality, basically, by saying I'm putting arbitrary constraints on something and, and I'm going to kind of will it into existence, even though exactly. there's a fundamental reason for it. To and, and, it's, and it's actually very political. You know, we see the same kind of I, I call the, the small blocker community these one megabyte block size maximalists. I, I call them the the social justice warriors of Bitcoin, because when you, when you. That's the greatest thing I've heard all year. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, just so you know, 2022 just peaked for me. But go ahead. Maybe we have further heights to scale. <laughs> yes. And, and that's exactly it. You know, when I say like, hey, I would like to build a block that has 40,000 transactions in it. I mean, it is like, laser eyes you know npc army screaming like literally the bot accounts turn up on the internet it's it's everything it's the whole it's like i just said that you know a man is a man and a woman is a woman over at like you know uh vice yeah you know i get this i really something. i want to hone in on this because i love this i remember a good a friend of mine who was a professor i studied anthropology at the university of chicago and one of my professors there in describing and an argument that had been going on at the American Anthropological Association and in journals and such like at the time, he said, remember, the fights in academia are so vicious because the stakes are so low. <laughs> right. And it's sure. kind of an interesting point. Right. But the stakes here in Bitcoin you know, can be very high. So right. it, it, this, this is a very important. This is a very interesting dynamic. There's a, it's like, to me, you're describing the fights between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks in the 1919 Russian Revolution. 
And, right. and a, an example that I use regularly. By oh, the way. look at that. Perfect. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> Mismanagement of history is the tool, not only of the left. So, uh, <laughs> so, so you're a big black maximalist or they're, you know, they've got picked the arbitrary. And, and the difference Small is blockers, what? Yeah. To, let's take it one at a time. In code terms, what does that actually mean? If, if you restrict one, one line of code, so there's there's a max block size. So it, when in every transaction, so there's there's script language that explains uh, the rules of each block, and then all of the nodes on the network validate that the rules are being followed. Mm -hmm. From a code standpoint, it's one line of code. It's literally max block size uh, equals less than x, which it's 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 actually a, a, a megabyte, but there's there's asterisk 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 right. also. Because uh, there are some tricks that are played with uh, soft forks to make it that in a very technical sense, under flawless conditions, a BTC block could be a little bit less than four megabytes. Mm. But in the wild, we've never seen it over three. Uh, and the average block size is, is, is about a megabyte and a half. So if you cannot fit your transactions in that megabyte and a half or yep. whatever else you're doing on the network, um, you either need to pay a higher fee to push someone else out of your way or you just need to wait until the mempool is low value enough for your transaction to get processed. And that could either be, so it's either like with any, anything else you're paying with time or money. So Correct. this would be the equivalent, although it's, it's different protocol, I gather, but yeah. this would be the equivalent why sometimes gas fees in Ethereum are so insanely high and other times they're not. It's a, it's a similar problem. It, it, it has from a technical standpoint, it's actually a little, it's quite different uh, from a coding standpoint, but from an economic standpoint, it's the same thing. It is, there's too much demand for the available supply. Uh, and, the, and the reason I make this like financial planning or uh, like, uh, you know, like a Bolshevik standpoint, like we're gonna plan the right economy. It's like saying there will only be one train an hour from Moscow to St. Petersburg. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if the population triples or quadruples or whatever, there will right. be one train lined up out, out the door trying to get another train. Don't exactly. Care. So if you need to get on that train, you know, the ticket obviously continues to get more and more expensive and, and all these other things. And this is the economic planning that has gone into BTC, the typical, what people think of as Bitcoin. And so that is, and, and we're going to jump around a little bit, uh, is that and related issues like that, why the proponents of BSV, which I which I'm taking to call um uh, 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 classical flavor of Bitcoin, I don't know if that's going <laughs> to catch on or not. That's, but that's pretty good. Uh, is that is that part part of the reason that folks like Craig Wright and others are saying BSV is going to solve the problems of BTC, and those are those that's what they mean when they say there are problems with with BTC. Correct. It's you know you you can't you can't build a world that can scale if you try to build it on a money that cannot scale. And so in my train example, the, the difference would be a completely deregulated, you know, between Chicago and New York, for example, and say, well, okay, if over a generation, the populations of those cities goes up by 10 times, we would expect various competing train companies to create more efficient rail, more efficient cars, add more cars per, per engine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like right. essentially the free market will actually solve this problem if we let it. And, um, but we are looked at as... Is it the, okay to say that during this administration? Is that okay? <laughs> just, just barely. For, I for just, now... There actually are some excellent free marketeers still left in, in, in the administration. Great people. I, I, I just, th th There are, yeah. <laughs> there are a few. <laughs> you, you can find one if you, if you dig hard enough, I'm sure. Yeah, they're, they're, they're working, they're working away. You know, it's every, every time I, sometimes I feel for the bureaucracy in Washington to jump off a little bit. Is that they get a they get a bad rap, but everyone I've known who's worked in any of those roles are really smart, really dedicated patriots working really hard. And can you imagine having the frustration of your boss changing every forty eight years and not being able to bitch about it? <laughs> that right. just, that, I think it's just we we owe them all Pepto Bismol for all the ulcers right. they have to bear. Anyway, so back back to BTC BSD. So, I mean, long and short, that that's the very short version of it. it right. uh, before, before I start getting super technical about what other so things. You got you know, married in 2015. And oh, yes. That so distracted for a little while. I, I took, I'm, I'm I took my year off. I'm right. Was, so, <laughs> so <you laughs> married in 2015 and that distracted you from all things Bitcoin for a while. And I, and I, I, well, I mean, I was still Bitcoin investor and everything else, but it was, you know, I'm going to enjoy my wife. We're going to have a honeymoon period. Right. And so. 
then 2017 started to happen. Like all of a sudden Ethereum got very popular. The ICO bubble started to really heat up. Uh, and then the market started to perk back up. And I was like, oh, hey, it looks like Bitcoin's going to go out for a run. Like, this is interesting. And I started having people pinging me and like, hey, Kurt, this is what you were talking about a few years ago, right? It looked like, it turns out it didn't die. Maybe you were right about it. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll get back involved. And so I had a lot of people just plainly asking me like, hey, Kurt, how do I, how do I get a wallet? How do I get some Bitcoin? That kind of thing. So it was like, I had a lot of casual friends asking me sort of Bitcoin 101 questions. Hmm. And uh, I decided to do a Facebook Live um, stream, right? I would just hop on. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on for 10 minutes every day at noon until everybody in my Facebook friends list has heard how to do your Bitcoin stuff. And then I can right. just reference a video. <laughs> I'll go from there. And uh, it turned into me. I have literally been on the air at least once a week, every week since the beginning of 2017, talking about Bitcoin stuff. So that's great. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a blast. I love it. Uh, I I had a radio DJ experience in college that I really enjoyed, and so I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that's made it full circle, and that I get to do uh, uh, appearances like this. Frankly, but props to your props to your alma mater. Where'd you go? I went to Harper College in Palatine, Illinois. Actually, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> That's really great. Excellent. That's, that's a beautiful place. Yeah, I like I like to call it Southern Palatine University. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. That's excellent. That, that reminds me of a um, a friend of mine went to Hofstra went, went to went to NASA Community College on Long Island, mm -hmm. and the uh, and the joke was you know, Hofstra University is there, and Hofstra is a much more robust, challenging yeah. university, and NASA is 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 actually a very good community college in terms of you know kind of prepping people who need a little more work. Anyway. But he yeah. went to NASA Community College. His joke was always that that he goes to the second best university on Hempstead Turnpike. <laughs> <laughs> like That's really excellent. Yeah, I, I was always, you know what? I'm I'm such a frugal son of a bitch, man. Like I should have just gone straight to like Northwestern or something. I actually, so my 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 great grandfather actually founded one of the colleges at Northwestern. I could have gone there for essentially free. That's crazy. And, like, <laughs> and I went to Palatine. Because it was first of all, it was close, and I was like, ah, you know what? I'm gonna. I don't know that I really what I want to study, so I don't want to waste a bunch of time in gen eds at a at like, you know, Chicago's sort of Ivy League school. Yeah. And um, but and then I ended up dropping out in year two because I had started a business that was like exploding, and so I was like, well, I quit. And I was the I was the honor society president when I dropped out, which was also pretty controversial That's for everyone awesome. there. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, awesome. Yeah. It was uh, it was something, but I actually really liked that school. It was it was a good time. But any anyhow, back to back to Bitcoin. So in 2017, you know, I came back and I was answering questions, and and I realized that the the sort of Bitcoin debate of like what is Bitcoin for, what can it do, had gotten really really out of hand. Like it, it went the other direction than I thought it would. Hmm. Uh, I thought the big block version of Bitcoin made so much obvious sense that and and that the typical bitcoiner was so much wiser than the typical person that of course they're going to agree with me and go the direction that i would have gone and i i was very very wrong on that point was this the first or 45th time your illusions have been shattered <laughs> I, in in the bitcoin space this is probably the third time my illusions third have big been illusion shattered. Shattered. okay that's not bad <laughs> it's all right yeah it's all right so it's a healthy um, ratio to disillusionment uh, uh, ratio. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad at all. So, so the debate was okay. What what are we going to do? Are we going to upgrade BTC to have bigger blocks and to do all these things, or is there going to be a split and have two competing Bitcoin chains, which is always at the time a completely unprecedented concept, right? And um, you know, I I supported fighting for BTC. I wanted to fight for for the upgrade of the main chain. Period. Forever, I would have done it uh, nonstop, but. In August, uh, there had been just a ton of things that went sour, really nasty social engineering uh, coming from the, the small blocker crowd, like calling us. I mean, I remember them calling us like the corporate the corporate takeover attempt of Bitcoin. There's a lot of very like populist uh, Bolshevik uh, sort of tactics like they, they, they sort of organized their uh, their their stuff like a um, like a general strike. And so they had this like user activated soft fork. They're all wearing like camo hats and things like they had like regalia that they were bringing awesome. to the fight. And, yeah. And it was very like it's great to hear yeah. about a war you never knew was happening. Oh man. <laughs> it, it was, it was ridiculous. It was so wild. And like, 
there were there were people on our side getting like their websites were DDoSed off the internet, and then it was it was threats from anonymous accounts and and just all this stuff. And then like it seemed like maybe we we're gonna get it worked out, and then there was just this giant renege on all of these promises that were made a couple months earlier. And then it was like, holy cow, we are going to split. Like we are having a civil war straight up secession right now. And so for those who are unaware of the war for Middle Earth, what who who was who was doing the promising and subsequent reneging? And you know, what was there a parish? Or, you know, there's a group there that controls the code. Like how how did all so, that happen? So, so there were two major groups. The the big blockers were were people like you know Bitcoin.com and and BitPay, which was like the biggest credit card uh, Bitcoin company at the time. Uh, Coinbase was actually on the big blocker side at the time, which is funny now in hindsight. Um, and a number of other players, but like the the big names were guys like Roger Ver, uh, uh, as well as Jihan Wu, who was the CEO of Bitmain, which was the, I mean, they, they were it. They were like the biggest player in Bitcoin's infrastructure by a very wide margin at the time. Um, and then on the other side were were companies like Blockstream, uh, Lightning Labs, uh, some of these other, and like big big VC. And what I came to realize after the fact, I did not realize this until about a year after it had all washed out is that a lot of these venture capital firms were actually funding both sides of this fight, which led me to, to saying that the entire thing was AstroTurf and people like me were caught in the middle, you oh, know, yeah. try, trying to have this fight. And, and it was like, oh, both sides were getting paid and, and the VCs made out either way. Like, <laughs> color me shocked, right? Well, well I was so, in Southern Africa for a long time and the, the Oppenheimers from De Beers, mm-hmm. everyone thinks they were banned from coming to the United States because they ran a monopoly. Yeah, like we care that you got a monopoly on yeah. diamonds. You're selling, you know, <laughs> you love struck sure. fools who want to be married to this girl forever. Who cares? Right. Yeah. No, it was because they were funding both sides of the Angolan Civil War mm. for like 20 years. <laughs> they funded that yeah. to just keep going on and on. Slightly different because you all weren't actually shooting at each other, but similar <laughs> idea. So that's yeah. brilliant. Of course, the valley was, was hedging bets. They donate to both political parties. The same thing. Sure. And, and you know, and I, I don't want to act like it's some kind of like, crazy reptilian conspiracy either which a lot of people will tell oh kurt's just a conspiracy theorist and it's like no, no 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 like this is this is how business works and it's all publicly verifiable so you can go look at like one of the major firms uh and and i mentioned them a lot because they're uh the biggest and they were the first uh serious uh incubator that was venture backed and they're called digital currency group mm-hmm. uh the ceo is a guy named barry silbert who's an old wall street guy uh, but they, on their board of advisors are guys like Larry Summers from you know the Clinton administration, or they got guys from you know Bain Capital, Silver Lake, and, and some of these other firms. And you know, so these are the guys that are putting tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars on into companies on both sides of the spectrum, uh, and and have these massive conflicts of interest. And so, basically, what happened is Bitcoin Cash, the BCH ticker, split away from BTC in 2017 in order to maintain the unbroken chain of digital signatures, which is how Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin, described a Bitcoin. This is the fundamental definition of a Bitcoin is an unbroken chain of digital signatures that synchronizes back to the Genesis block and blah, 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 blah. BTC says, "Ah, screw the digital signatures. What we're going to do is we're going to aggregate those signatures, replace them with a hash, and that hash is an attestation that those signatures exist. And the hash will say that the network witnessed those signatures, but you may not have access to them uh, essentially unless you ask. And so it changed the trust model uh, and therefore the very de- definition of a Bitcoin on the BTC network, which for me was, that's not what I signed up for. Like Now, let me interrupt you because because hearing that, what I'm hearing, absent, absent there being kind of political or economic motivations for that change, what I'm hearing is that sounds computationally efficient. Right, it, it, like for example, just any without without even thinking about a computer code, mm-hmm. I can look at a chain of titles to my you know buddy's you know big pile mansion built in fourteen hundreds in southern England, right? Mm-hmm. And we go through every single scrap of vellum that goes back to the original title granted, or we can look at the current one with references a legal opinion saying we've exam- examined the chain of custody. And it mm-hmm. appears unbroken, and therefore this is a valid title. So that that, so seems, that seems to be one you know non-contentious explanation for why that, you would switch to that. 
I agree that your example would be non-contentious. And I would argue that your example is what Bitcoin does or what it should do, frankly. Now, my, my question would be, would you would you take a letter from an attorney that has his signature on it on their letterhead and say, I'm not willing to show you the title, but I would like you to take this letter as an attestation that the title exists and be happy with it? It's a whole lot weaker. It's It sounds like Reagan's yeah. trust, but verify. I'll take your letter, <laughs> but if I want to see the chain, I can see the chain. That would seem Correct. to be the rational way to approach that. And this, and 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 that's the nature of the argument is that you know what what is Bitcoin for? And and Bitcoin is designed to reduce the need for trust because you can verify it yourself at will. And this this removed that. And so for me, it's very philosophical. Um, you know, Bitcoin solved a very specific problem and did it in a very specific way. And if Bitcoin is not a consistent rules enforcement framework, then it's all out the out the window. And it's the same, I would make the same argument about the constitution. Like if if you if you want to change it however you want to change, like if you can just go to a judge and a judge can say, ah, this today you have this right and tomorrow you don't, well then the constitution is isn't really worth the 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 hemp it's written on, right? Yeah. Well, back to, back to hemp farming. George George Washington had big plots, but the the it's the interesting point you made about what trustless meant, right, it, or means. Because mm -hmm. I understood trustless to mean was not that I can verify it, but that a majority of a sufficiently large N have verified it, Correct. and therefore you can't. It's it, it's so insanely unlikely to get this number of people who literally don't know each other to collude on a wrong answer. So I trust the majority answer, even though I myself can't go verify it on my own. Is that a, is that a separate definition of trust? I, so I would agree with that definition. Small block or BTC people would not. They would tell you that you must run your own infrastructure. Like you must be an infrastructure participant in the network because to trust anyone at all, aside from validating your own Bitcoins is broken. Like you will be screwed. You are a. How would they expect that system to ever scale? That can't work. <laughs> they they don't believe that it should, and that's exactly the point. The point is, is that this is why the one megabyte block size limit. They don't want the chain to become so big that you cannot validate your own transactions. Huh. that would seem to not be what Satoshi wanted or designed <laughs> this for. Precisely. I just became a big blocker. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed until just a moment ago. And now here yes. I am. Look, that was a quick conversion. Well done. Um, <laughs> well, how do we how do we take down these small blockers? <laughs> Man, I, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm you, a... Jesting aside, now, now that I'm converted, yeah. I completely understand why we're right and they're wrong. But why... Wh is it, it, are, are, are a number of those people kind of in your opinion really Jesse aside, convinced that this was just a more efficient way to handle this and any doubts about it are really kind of angels on the head of the pin philosophical differences that don't really matter. Do, they, do you think they believe that or they've been told that by the winning hand of the VC that put up the billion dollars that's now worth 30 billion? I think I think just like most things, uh, it's, it's a very serious mix of both. Right. And, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people that look at Bitcoin uh, BTC and, and they see they see the meme, you know, freedom money and all this other stuff. They buy in, then then it rewards them monetarily for having participated. And then at that point, you know, when I show up and say, well, this thing that made you wealthy or whatever is is bad because X. And then I just, you know, I, I'm like the guy on the street corner, you know, at, at your favorite festival saying, you know, repent, Jesus saves, right? I just look like <laughs> the asshole who's trying to ruin your party. And so uh, like, so wait, now I'm concerned. Did I just join the Westboro Baptist Church? Of, no, of Bitcoin. <laughs> no, no, you did not. So, so you gotta on be the careful. Side, I throw my allegiance around so readily. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the flip side, I, there are some very specifically and definitely malicious actors on the BTC side who, um, in in my opinion, orchestrated the sort of social engineering aspect of all of this. Um, in very nefarious ways, very effectively, uh, giant censorship campaigns. These are the people that I call the social justice warriors uh, in the right. BTC camp. Uh, you know, it, where if you say like, oh, hey, very interesting. Satoshi Satoshi said he thought that tokens would be, you know, be a good idea. And then it's like, 
ban him from the subreddit and report him to, <laughs> you know, literally everywhere. Like, make sure all of his accounts are gone. And then we we're going to make memes about, like, he is a, you know, a fool, tax cheat, pedophile, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and like, we, we saw that that pattern happen very quickly, where if you came out as a, even a lukewarm, like, I'm a very reasonable, maybe big blocker. Like, what if we did two megabytes? You know, I'm not talking gigabyte blocks, any of this stuff. Like, hey, you know what? I think the network could probably handle two megabyte blocks. It was, you get out of here. Like, you're funded by, it's 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 just like, it's it's Republicans and Democrats. It's you're either, you're, you're funded by George Soros or you're funded by the Koch brothers and there's nothing in between. And, you know, it's it's exactly that. And so, so and so, but what, so, for those for those people who are still following this, aside from the the inherent religious value of these wars, who's winning economically and losing versus one or three megabyte blocks? I'm still I'm, I'm really honestly still grappling with that. Like, how do I get paid more by restricting block size versus just whatever economic activity happens happens? So I, I like to give an example of of like. Uh you know, a, a drug company, for example. And, and I think pe people will be very familiar with this example. If if cancer could be cured for a, a $1 pill, what is the likelihood that that pill would make it to market? It, it's essentially zero. So it, one of the big firms would buy the patent for it and they would shelve it in order to continue to sell you chemotherapy and the other stuff that is profitable. Now, that's a very Machiavellian way to look at all business but i i think it's it's more true than not there would be some variation on that story that would be reality and bitcoin going back to 2012 2013 when you look at the people who were involved it was oh my gosh like we are going to replace mastercard and visa and paypal right. like these companies are going to cease to exist because they have now been superseded by a technology that makes them completely obsolete yep and so uh, so very quickly, I, MasterCard and Visa and PayPal and, you know, being being companies that are run by intelligent people who want to make money uh, very clearly, you know, OK, let's put some feelers out. Let's figure out who let, let's learn. Is there a way that we can integrate with these things? Like, how do we how do we perpetuate our business? Is there a way that we can perpetuate perpetuate our businesses with the technology? Huh. And the answer comes back to. Well, you can't unless you unless you change it pretty significantly, but still keep oh. that underlying, you know, the hopeful aspect of Bitcoin, you know, changing the world. Let's change the world together. Let's not let's not be Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin sponsored by Cash App, you know, like that's a much better sounding thing. Right. <laughs> and so huh. things like Cash App or things like Lightning Network, like these are all uh, companies that fall into these portfolios. So if you look at companies like Lightning Labs and Blockstream and uh, some of these other companies that do BTC infrastructure, they're in portfolios with like MasterCard Ventures, for example, is a major investor in Blockstream Corporation. And so MasterCard now has all kinds of blockchain patents and they make money on selling access to side chains and by selling like, hey, here's a Bitcoin debit card. You can spend your Bitcoin at the grocery store with your MasterCard. And it's like, why have you inserted yourself in the middle? Like a real Bitcoiner should look at that and say, well, that's a giant loss, but they've been programmed to say Bitcoin is nothing but this store value. You put your money into Bitcoin, huh. it goes up in value, and then you can spend it when you want using your MasterCard or your Visa or your whatever. And and that's the narrative that that has come out. And it's very, very like, it, again, it sounds like a good thing. This is what they're doing in El Salvador. Like use the Strike app. The Strike app connects to connects to uh you know lightning network and strike is a visa partner and so you can trust the this and that and it's like first of all like, so that that is interesting because that's one of the first countries that's really gone this route and what is your understanding of how that's worked out and, and is, it, is it functioning <laughs> well or i mean it's been real rough on their books i'll tell you that much uh they they bought the top they're way underwater um from a usability standpoint, the, the wallets weren't working because Bitcoin BTC does not scale. It really genuinely doesn't work. Uh, as I understand it, um, they made a deal with another blockchain called Algorand, uh, which oh. is a, a small sort of proprietary proof of stake network that has really high throughput because it only has a few nodes and it's very centralized. And what they did is they built a government official wallet called Chivo. Yep. And Chivo uses Algorand and it tokenizes BTC, pretends you're using Lightning Network, but you're actually using tokenized BTC over Algorand, 
Meanwhile, the president's out there calling everyone who isn't, you know, solely devoted to BTC, some kind of shit coin or spy or whatever. And then, you know, just like any good government, like also we're, you know, we're, we're in bed with, with the enemy who we've been criticizing on stage today. So. <laughs> wow. So that, that's interesting. So the, yeah, because they bought at the top and they gave it out to a bunch of people. Um, you know, I'd heard I heard someone say who knew a little bit about it that um the price of Bitcoin itself is not really relevant to the functionality of an individual El Salvadoran who is using the wallet to buy or sell something, right? Because if you're using it as an intermediary and they're already the country is already dollarized, right? They don't they're they don't have an independent uh currency. So well, I guess from a from a governmental balance sheet perspective, they're seeing a loss because the Bitcoin they bought went down. Yeah. Fundamentally, for the person who's using it, if it was denominated in dollars, it's just it's just a smoother transaction. But you're 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 saying the way they've structured it is not taking advantage of Bitcoin as Satoshi wrote it. And right. therefore the efficiencies are not there. Yep. And therefore it's pointless or it could it could it's, be I'm just kind of curious. Like I mean in, they, in 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 my opinion, you know, I I look at uh Ni what is his name? Naya Bukele uh as a I mean he's he's a globalist sort of fascist dictator wannabe. Um many people are <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 I think you know, he, he's young and I think he looks at the sort of young and cool technocrat elite of, of first world countries in his proximity and says, you know what, this is my way to, you know, end up maybe bringing my country onto the world stage yeah. by, well, he's got by a, sort of he's hitching got a my wagon to the real problems, right? I mean, this is, this is one of For those sure. things like you're trying to fix a serious issue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, the last, they're one of the poorest countries in the world. Yeah. The last country that successfully dragged itself out of poverty to prosperity was China and they did it through dictatorial means. Although, Actually, for yeah. 25 years, they were actually a fairly good free market economy until Brexit right. arrived. Different issue entirely. But yeah. it's here from but from a mechanic standpoint, I think this is this point I think is most useful to my listeners who have tried to be engaged a bit. That if the technology as implemented has actually changed from the protocol that was actually designed to create frictionless micropayments that were that were supposed to actually help the poor rather than hurt the poor rather than it, it, thinking about your your example of by tying a wallet to another network to another provider it almost sounds like you go to the grocery store you pay in cash right and the bill is $94 and you take it a $100 bill and just as you're about to hand it to the clerk Someone else steps in front of you, takes it, takes $9 out of it, gives them 91 and now you still owe them three, and thank yes. you because it was helpful. Or is that is that kind of a good analogy? That is that is a very good analogy for, for what BTC has become. Uh, it's wow. literally deprecated features under the auspices of making it more secure. So there's this notion that if it's slower and harder to use, that the security of it has gotten better, and that's the trade-off. That the only thing that matters is completely unstoppable large payments, which, you know, I, I think about who needs completely unstoppable large payments. And I picture very wealthy people and criminals, both, both of which did not really need their, their payments ability disrupted and then improved. Yeah, in my they're opinion. doing just fine as it is. Yes. I love this insane argument from law enforcement that, you know, Bitcoin enabled money laundering and drugs and prostitutes. I'm like, I'm sorry, they were really good at that before Bitcoin. Yeah, existed. no, they had that figured out. They had that figured out. Really, <laughs> their entire merchant banks and law firms up and down a, a, a street in Miami that have been doing that very well and very respectfully yes. for a long time. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, without getting myself uh, thrown to the alligators, I'm just kidding. So, but theoretically, that could be possible. Yeah, so, anything could happen. Anything can happen. Um, <laughs> So, all right, that's interesting. What, what, so you all, all, all those changes now, where do you see things sitting now? Like, so I've referenced BSV and I did the horrible thing and never explained. That's, that's what it's called Bitcoin Satoshi variant. Satoshi vision. So it's, it's basically like we, we took the things that Satoshi said about Bitcoin that everyone tried to eliminate, like literally social engineer them out of existence and said, hey, 
Before the network even launched, Satoshi said that Bitcoin could outcompete Visa today with existing hardware and no need for a protocol change. Right. Like, like what did that mean? Does that deserve to be explored? <laughs> you know, and like, well, actually, really quickly, I want to circle back very swiftly to the idea that features were truncated in, in mm-hmm. BTC, right? I, yeah. I had uh, I had a discussion with someone a couple of days ago, you know, uh, and his comment was, I thought, interesting that the rationale for trimming an individual's ability to modify the code was if you don't if you're not really good at what you're doing, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. You could, for example, create a locking password or mechanism that is insoluble. So sure. and once you implement it, suddenly you're like you're locked out of your own Bitcoin. Yep. And no one in the universe except God can help you because that's how the yep. code works. And the idea was, well, maybe that's like handing an AK-47 to a four-year-old and maybe we shouldn't let the four-year-old have the AK-47. Is that, are some of the changes made, do those make sense in those terms that like lack of expertise could let you get into a lot of trouble? C- certainly some. And and that was the precedent by which a lot of the things that I think were malicious was built upon. So back in 2011, like right when Satoshi Nakamoto left, uh, the guy in charge was a guy named Gavin Andreessen, who was a guy who Satoshi did not ask to leave in charge. Satoshi said, Here's the keys. Peace out. And Kevin's like, I don't want to be the lead developer here. And he immediately brought in a, a number of other maintainers. I think it was four other people he gave key access to. He said, yeah. okay, we're like this committee of five. We're sort of like this, you know, Supreme Court council as to what changes will be made. And then for him, like Gavin's a very, um, uh, what's the word? It's systematic. Like he's going to comb through things. Like, okay, what am I actually in charge of here? Right. And and he very quickly Let's said, be "Okay, happy that people take their responsibilities seriously in this world. That's good news." Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of like you know, you inherited an apartment building in kind of a weird neighborhood, and it's like, well, okay, I can't run security cameras to every door, so I'm going to bolt up all the doors that I can't watch from from my desk for right. for a while, right? Right. And so that's a lot. What happened is that's not uh, a bad a analogy. Of, that's actually pretty good. Until yeah. I get a grip on things here, I want to make sure that I'm not just letting crazy stuff happen. Okay. Exactly. And and so a lot of things it came from from Gavin's, you know, good faith effort to not break Bitcoin while he got a grasp on it. Um, but then it turned into every time it was like, okay, guys, uh, here's what we can do with like op return, for example. There's this group that wants to make tokens and put a piece of code in op return that settles on chain if you if you make a transaction that does X. And immediately it's like, no, we agreed that that was unsafe. And it was like, yeah, three years ago we thought it was unsafe, but we've been we, we've been in charge here for a while now. I think we got a grip on things. And then it was, no, if if you do that, we're gonna we're gonna kick you out essentially. Like, <laughs> so so very quickly it was like, mm, Satoshi, you know, Satoshi created this for a reason. Like maybe we should see what that's for. Like we can test it and test that. Like we can create side networks that are one to one with Bitcoin and make one change at a time and see what happens and. And it just was no, 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 no. And then the roadmap very quickly turned into, all right, well, it's been three or four years since we've used any of this stuff. Let's just completely sunset it. And let's add these new things over here, which we've already pre-vetted. This is fine. And so then it turned into, okay, now we're not, like we have turned off Satoshi's ideas and now we're adding ideas of, you know, some some developer who showed up in an open source project and, you know, decided he was a, an economist or you know whatever else and it's like okay uh the other problem that it introduces is sound money i mean what 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 hard money can can be changed by committee you know like if if gold could be changed by a group of people saying okay gold is this now well all of a sudden gold doesn't have nearly the value it does and so um, well, in a world where recession changes constantly who knows anything's possible so (laughs) she kind of like luke skywalker in the last jedi he's He's alone on a, ma- on a very tall mountain in the middle of an ocean somewhere, and people want to reach him, but they've got no, he's got no internet connection. <laughs> for for a time, yes, and 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 I think, I think the Satoshi story still has a lot of very uh, foggy mirrors uh, to 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 look at it through. Uh, I think the one thing that is very clear um, is that Craig Wright, uh, the the most difficult, pain in the ass, disliked, and dislikable. Unlikable? I don't know what the word is, but what a, uh, what a funny guy for all that. <laughs> he, you know what? A hell of a drinking buddy. Let me tell you. Uh, he, I think it's very clear that he wrote the white paper and and created the moniker of Satoshi. And so everything else, like 
who coded it, who audited it, who did the security stuff, who implemented it the first time. I, I think there's pretty good evidence that it was like three or four other people that uh, kind of did the nuts and bolts stuff. And so uh, I, I, I like to give the, the, the building analogy again, like every building has an architect right. and every, every architect knows the architects who build the buildings in town. But if you're one of the bricklayers, you know, the bricklayers in town. And so yeah. I, I think that there were, I think there were a number of bricklayers and Craig Wright was the architect. And so uh, he, he had disappeared. Uh, he, he indeed went off and did his own thing for a few years between uh, 2011 and uh, 2015 when he was outed by Wired and Gizmodo magazines against his will. Uh, he denied that he was Satoshi very vehemently for, a good amount of time. Frankly, it pushed him from his home. He ended up leaving Australia forever in 2015. Uh, was in, I don't know if in hiding is exactly the right word, but he uh, he he made it to the UK to be safe. Um, and again, didn't want to be a public person and was really bullied by the media for some time until he finally uh, in you know, 2017, 18 was like, I, you know, I guess I'm just going to own this thing and, and come wow. out and really start to explain like, uh, amid this Bitcoin civil war, um, he was a lot less genteel than I would be to the point where if it was, I, I don't know if your if your podcast here is, is PG-13 or what, but he'd, he'd be up on stage and and it, it wasn't like, here's why this might be a bad idea. It was, if you want to do this, you're creating your own thing. Fuck you, get off my network. Right. And, you know, to which everybody was, oh my, you know, my, my, my fragile sensibilities. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's it's funny because I had him on 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 Messy Times, and we had a great mm -hmm. chat, and uh, and, and I very deliberately because you know I frankly I'd, I'd never I hadn't heard of this whole controversy whatsoever. I always mm -hmm. assumed well, like someone's got to be Satoshi, yeah. and problem my thought was always it was a group of people, and so I've got no opinion particularly, right? And so yeah. we had a really great chat. I think because I never asked him about it, so I don't care. Yeah. Like the stuff he the stuff he's doing at Enchain and. Mm -hmm. And because we both have spent time building exchanges in the past, right? So it, I really just want to have a chat about the yeah. kind of what he, he certainly knows about this space really well, maybe yeah. because he created it, maybe not, don't care. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I think it was a fundamentally really interesting conversation because I never asked him because yeah. I've, seen, I've seen a couple other clips where people get on and instantly challenge him. I've got, I don't, yeah. I don't care. Frankly, until someone else puts their head up above the parapet and says it's me, he yep. may as well be and whatever. So, so it's, it's, but everything that I'm thinking back to the conversation he and I had both on air and off was around um, the use of one of the things that he said that I thought was, was that's taken me a few weeks to really absorb. So well, there, there, there can, it's kind of like the Highlander. There could be only one blockchain, right? Yep. Much like there's only one internet. Similarly, yep. You could build separate subnets. You could have an internal intranet in your corporation, but it doesn't change the nature of the protocols by which the system operates. Correct. And maximum efficiency means you don't want to have gates and off ramps and all these different places that bridges that charge you yep. to move from one to another. That's just rent seeking. That's kind of like mm -hmm. my example: the guy who suddenly stands between you and the cashier and asks for nine of your hundred dollars for the privilege of handing the ninety-one over to the cashier. Right. So that, that makes a huge amount of sense. Mm -hmm. no, and, and that's how I feel about it too. You know, you, you know, um, you know, you, you know, a good tree by its fruit basically. And so, you know, Craig, uh, like I said, I mean, he's, he's pedantic, he's a pain in the ass and, and all these other things. But when you talk to him about Bitcoin, like when you don't challenge him on the Satoshi stuff and you actually just start to say like, Hey, what's the, I, I think actually the best example, uh, you know, to see somebody's reaction, um, about a thing like hey are you this person rather than saying are you satoshi I, I think the most interesting thing is to ask him very lightly known things about bitcoin and so i watched somebody ask him about I, it may have been the first bug that satoshi ever patched and it was they call it the one return bug uh and what it was is there's a there was a, a code that allowed nodes to collectively spend anything like move, move a transaction without you moving the transaction, which today is like, well, Bitcoin can't do that. That's the, the point of Bitcoin. Right. And, and I watched somebody say, 
you know, what, what happened with the one return bug? How did that get pushed? And he immediately, he's like, it wasn't a bug. And he, and like, and this is a thing that like, here's why we had it. Right. It was, it was a thing that honestly less than a hundred people on earth even know that the one return thing ever existed. And it wasn't like a, hold on, let me fish for an answer. It was a, oh, I was so mad we had to turn that off. And he goes, why? I fought yelling about that for weeks. Right. right. And he just, he goes and goes and goes. And he's like, you know, there's a reason I use the, the term honest when I describe nodes. So an honest node, if honest nodes do a thing, it's like, imagine if somebody steals your Bitcoin and then you can prove that it was your Bitcoin. You can prove it unequivocally. Here's when I bought it. Here's the chain of custody. And here's the bastard that stole it. Here's the transaction. Here's where they are now. Should Got those it. coins be yours? Should they be returned? If one return was still allowable in script, you could just show it to the nodes and nodes would move it right back to your thing. And everybody's good to go. This is how the world works. You know, and he's like, and it's like, not prompted, not scripted. Nobody knew he was going to be asked that question. And you're like, okay, That's so this is like, this is like, this is one of those things. It's like when you go talk yeah. to a guy who like worked as a manufacturer at like General Motors for years. Yeah, and you like, say oh like, my God, we had one machine in the middle that if you didn't kick it every 14th ex- revolution, exactly. Butter, right. You had to oil it as it was moving or yeah exactly yes he, well, he and, knows the thing that you could only know if you were there that's that's helpful and i want to circle back to something that's come up a couple of times and i'll tell you why so you you, you spoke about tokenization a couple of times mm-hmm. and i'd love to hear your thoughts on that because one of one of my mining uh, uh company firms um hard rock mining not bitcoin mining um, we're in the process of structuring basically a tokenization an nft whatever the structure will be because I love I love the, the 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 packaging mechanism, right? It's I've done structured financings in commodities before. Um, to me, there's absolutely no difference. I'm just taking the the blockchain technology and enabling this to be a smoother transfer with an immutable order chain and all that great stuff. That 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 basically technology yeah. to me has always been a way of smoothing human processes, removing the pointless parts of what humans do, so humans can do the creative parts. And so we're tokenizing this to kind of set of commodity uh, rights and privileges and options and the rest of it. Um, and the reason I thought about it is you just talked about this one return thing. One thing that has made the people who are, who are buying these from us, our customers, happy is um, I've said, well, this is this is not completely decentralized because it's going to be book entry validated, meaning you buy NFTs number 43 through 48, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the agreement is you have to come back through me to sell it to someone else. I'm not going to charge you, but you have to do it through us, You're, mainly yeah. for KYC AML reasons, right? Like yep. I can't sell these to you and then you go sell it to, you know, an Iranian terrorist. Like I'm not allowing right. that transaction to happen. So yep. in the case where you, Bob, own these three and a year later, Sally shows up and wants to redeem them, I'm going to call you first and say, did you sell them? Naughty, you shouldn't have, but okay, we'll fix it. Or more likely, Sally stole them. So yeah. we're solving through a somewhat cumbersome decentralized, it was centralizing, semi-centralized process, kind of what you just described. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? So when you talk about tokenization and why, if I had it right, kind of the pure big big block kind of vision of how it should work, it supports tokenization, but the small, small blocks don't. Is that is that a... a Smart or they, wrong they can so it, you can create a token in BTC today, um, but they are very very limited. They can only be very simple, and in the kind of thing that they can do is just transfer a string of numbers from from one address to the next. You can't attach like I don't. You might be able to make an NFT, but it'd be tight. Like the the limitation is, I believe it's forty. I think it's forty kilobytes. It's tiny. I think it's 40 kilobyte limitation of how much code you That's can That's not even into a passport it. photo. At it's right. It's, resolution. That's nothing. Exactly. But I mean, but it's just code. Like, so if you can make right. a real slim piece of JavaScript or whatever, like you can make it do a thing, but but it takes away a lot of those things. Like if, if in your example, if you were to issue a token, you would want the token to require very specific counterparty signatures. Yeah, general and, terms and these conditions, which are 60 pages long. There's a lot it, of stuff in there. Exactly. Yeah. And and you would want that to be part of the chain of custody of the of the thing you've tokenized. And you cannot do that on BTC. Huh. So th- this is why BSV matters. Is, but you is, can do that on BSV. It can be, yes. Yeah. Can be done. Long story short, yes. Because <laughs> you can do essentially anything. limit to the, to the byte size. Correct. So that's that's a that's a very short uh, response. Huh. <laughs> that yeah, 
And that's is that tie into kind of what you're talking about earlier about the economic interest of firms who said, you know, I'm going to carve this out and I only make money if the ability of the code itself is limited. So therefore I want to limit the code because then people have to come to me for the services that otherwise could just go yeah. on again. Well, I mean, and and think about all the things that Bitcoin could disrupt if it was used for everything. I mean, it literally it's it's title companies, it's notaries, it's it's all kinds of public attestation. It's even you know anything that you need to do a, like a public announcement. So this would be, you know, home home, uh, you know, foreclosures, all of these kinds of things, like all kinds of asset um, asset tracking, asset announcement, uh, and tokenization use cases. These things that require counterparties and anything. Basically, anything that requires somebody to be a third party and give an attestation for the, the next economic step to occur can be eliminated by Bitcoin at scale. And then you can add to it uh, the payments use cases and some of the more obvious things like, right. the, you know, Visa, PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's just as easy for me to send, you know, Bitcoin to my next door neighbor as, as it is for me to send it to somebody in, in North Korea, frankly. And, you know, and, and nobody can stop it. Not, not with, I mean, not nobody, like it's an absolute statement in a non-absolute right. world, but uh, in a very basic sense, that's the, that's another one of the things that it disrupts. So then that's also disrupting things like ACH, Fedwire. Uh, and for all that stuff though, that would seem to, that unless I'm hearing it incorrectly, that would seem to mean that the 21 million Bitcoins mined, those Bitcoins themselves would be insufficient to manage all those processes. So you're not talking about the Bitcoins being the mediating principle, you're talking about the protocols instantiated in code that would. So the, so, so, so the Bitcoin protocol is what could enable a planet of 9 billion people to record all these transactions. You're not going to deal with all of all of the title changes and all the rest of that you just talked about with 21 million units or something. Well, there's not only it's not 21 million units. So a Bitcoin can be divided into 100 million pieces. So it's actually right. I think it's 2.1 quadrillion right units so, this, and so, so the fractionalization makes this possible because once correct. you use that unit in fact you don't you, you don't need it anymore you, you it gets passed to someone else conceptually correct but but you can also even lock up like let's say in you know a thousand years or whatever we're getting to the point where it's like there's not enough bitcoins for everybody to do a thing so you can actually lock up a single unit they call the unit the satoshi the sat um, you can lock one up in a smart contract and then issue fractional sats as well. So I could issue a okay, so a milli sat is, or a billy sat or whatever. In that sense, it's like a fractal. You can you can repeat the pattern exactly. infinitely. It, it's infinite. And how does how does that account for what's the percentage of current bitcoins that have been mined that are now lost, thrown away? People lost the passcodes; they died without telling people. You know that's that's a severe limitation, right? I mean, that's like sure. Buried, buried gold well, hence, in an island. Hence, hence one return. For example, I mean, may, maybe every fifty years, if a coin hasn't moved in a generation, like you make a public announcement, like, "Hey, whoever owns these keys, if you don't own these keys, then whatever." On this date in one year, they, these coins are going to be remined and redistributed, like so that. The global lost luggage bin. <laughs> essentially, I mean, ah. so like that is an, an, a thing too. I mean, like people. People have these notions that, you know, it's lost forever. And, and Satoshi absolutely did say, like, if if you lose your coins, you should consider them like a donation to the community by, you know, you're adding to the, its, its scarcity, basically. Right. But but on, on the same hand, like, there's no there's no real reason why you, you can't decide among nodes to say, hey, OK, that, there's eight million coins that have been unmoved for 100 years and therefore they're not anybody. The owner is dead. Yes. <laughs> right. Like so we will make a public announcement. We'll do it right. the same way that you would you would take an old property. You'd, yeah, they do that now with all sorts of assets right, right. now. Right. Put it in the newspaper, you gotta wait 90 days, you pay the tax, and you know, whatever. So cool. I, I, you know, we can go on and on and on forever, but I think you've got <laughs> other things to do with your time. I, I'm fascinated. I think also my listeners begin to run out run out of patience with my verbosity. Uh but this is fa absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time. We will have sure. to have to have, have a rematch. I think there are a lot of interesting <laughs> things to talk about. We didn't touch on Ethereum and Cardano and, and no, no, or anything. I, I'll <laughs> I'd be happy to I'd be happy to come back. We can talk about all of that.
That's killer. And any kind of final uh, uh, thoughts and words for people who are who are really want to dive into the space to get a better grip on many of the things you touched on? Sure. I mean, I mean, you can check me out at uh, you know coingeek.com or kurtwilkertjr.com. Uh, I answer my DMs on social media if anybody just wants to ask a question. Um, my advice: anybody that knows what they're talking about in this space also has a conflict of interest, and you need to be very, very careful what they're telling you. So that is always true. <laughs> Someone is always talking their book. Yep. Yes. I learned long ago one of the uh, one of the, a partner at Schroeder's. So I didn't work for um, years ago, but I met him because we lived in the same neighborhood and he used to walk dogs together. Funny, funny guy. So I was probably 25, 26, started down on Wall Street. He was, you know, 70, walking his, you know, running his Rottweiler Rescue Foundation. Crazy guy. Anyway, one of the best lines ever, he said, I was telling you about something I had heard that, you know, it was, this is the dot-com year, I remember. This is like 98, yeah. 97, 98. Sure. And he said, and he heard me out, because I wasn't quite sure. I ran it by him, because it sounded like, well, maybe a little too good to be true. And he looked at me and said, Christopher, I'm going to tell you something. Whenever I see something like that, the first and only question I ask myself is, Why? Is Santa Claus landing on my front lawn in August? <laughs> and when I I put everything since then, I put through that filter. And if yep. I don't find out that he filed a flight plan and he had to be here, it's not true. Yep. <laughs> so for sure, fire beware. But Kurt, thank you so much. And to uh, to my uh, fervent listeners, just remember: turn off the mainstream media; they are lying to you for profit. Uh, and tune into Messy Times. Until next time, thanks so much. Thanks, Chris.